This is a HeadGum Podcast. Yo, did you see the... Uh see the new trailer for uh avengers uh yeah have me in tears <laughs> no i haven't so there's a was there a super bowl one is that what we're saying yeah there's a new spot the super bowl we're, we're recording this a, I, a, a little bit later so people are like that's old but you know that's what we're doing you know we're gonna just talk yeah, about nice I, things right yeah. now we're gonna talk about nice pretty you know <laughs> wonderful things J- james there was a new jurassic park trailer you want to talk about that yes that I watched that. We can talk and talk about this all day. So yeah. <laughs> it was so good. I mean, it was so good. The first one, the first trailer that they released made me think that it was going to be a bad movie. And then they released right. this trailer and I went, never mind. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Yo, is it always? Three, I can't wait. Is it always three trailers? Just like one trailer, two trailer, then final trailer? Yeah, it's usually, yes. It's usually like teaser trailer, then main trailer, yeah. then second trailer. Okay. And then they like, and then when the movie comes out, they like the TV spots. But yeah, okay. it's usually three trailers. Yeah. So yeah. they have. For Jurassic. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, for Jurassic World, I just watched the first trailer because that fed me enough. And I was like, I'm going to not look at anything else. But with this new one, I was like, I have to see this new trailer because that first one was garbage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I have to watch every trailer. And that's like a problem of mine. Like, that's definitely what my addiction is. Like, I watch every trailer. I watch trailer breakdowns. And I have friends who just look, oh, I'm just watching when it's in theaters. I don't want to have everything spoiled for me. And I don't get those people, but they're probably the healthier, you know? I do try to not watch trailers. Uh, I will actually close my eyes and Put my hands over my ears in movie theaters, <laughs> like like a like a seven year old, like, like a seven year old. I really, I do, I don't know. I do. I, no, I, I it's because tra- trailers have ruined the movie for me before. It has. Yeah, Terminator uh, Five was bad already, but the trailer really ruined it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it did. It, sh- it like you, it, you know. The, I think the worst. There's trailer, a spoiler in the trailer. Yeah, that's what I say. The worst trailer of the last, like, I would say maybe five years for me has been Batman v Superman. Mostly because okay. they really put the whole movie in the trailer. That's true. And then when I got to the theater, I was like, oh, there's really no surprises here. No that, surprises. And exactly. That, and the only <laughs> only surprise is that it was worse than I thought it was going <laughs> to be. <laughs> like, I was like, right. wow, this is very bad. And yeah. <sighs> Trailers. Oh, man. They, well, what, did, did you see the new Star Wars trailer, James? The, for the, oh, no, I haven't solo? seen that either. Cause like no Ger- no I didn't watch that either. Gerard like kept sharing the image of you know Donald Glover looking like Han. So- I'm sorry, looking like uh, Lando. Lando, and it looks co- he looks cool. He looks he looks dope. Yeah, but like he doesn't speak. Yeah. he doesn't speak in the trailer at all. Yeah, which is a little bit annoying because <laughs> like a bunch of other people speak. Oh yeah, so many people that I, that <laughs> so we don't even know speak. who they are. Some speak. people we don't know who they are, and I was like, you couldn't give Lando <laughs> one line in this trailer. Like he didn't no, have one. Line I think out? they want to, but they want to. They, they want to tease him even more. You know what I Interesting. mean? I, I can appreciate. <laughs> they they know. Him. They know who the real star, of right? Solo, a Star so, Wars story is. We were saying this, and I don't know if our fans will feel the same way, but like, um, we. I don't know if we're feeling Solo, man. I mean, I feel like Han Solo is gonna be boo boo, man. He's not. There's no way he's gonna be great. Like, I, I, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to seeing Lando more, only because. Spoiler alert, 
Uh, he's not anywhere in the sequel trilogy to the original trilogy right, right. now. So I'm like, I want to see some Lando. That's true. That's like mostly why. That is annoying that he hasn't been that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, even just reference him. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, what's the, could they not get him or what's up? You know what I mean? <laughs> there's no way they couldn't get Billy D. Williams down there for one weekend just to show up. I know, right? Just send him a Fruitville Station basket. <laughs> oh my God. What did you just do to us? What did you? I mean, what did you just do to us? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Jonathan Raylock, James the Third, Drop Milligan. What more can I say? Welcome to Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Hollywood City. <laughs> and I'm I'm gonna not do my traditional um loud respect. gunshots. Yeah. Out of respect. Um Whew. I'm ready to do this. All right. Jarrah is uh Jarrah's not with us today. My name is Jonathan Braylock. Jarrah Milligan is not and with my us. Name, my name is is James the third. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, Jira's not here to yell at you, and I don't have the energy to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty emotionally drained too. It took yeah. a lot for me to even. It took a whole lot for me to even do what I just did. But we're here. <laughs> we are here. We are here. Jira's shooting uh, something. You know, he's got. He shot a little TV thing. Oh, uh, we can't say what it is. I don't know if we can. I guess we oh. can, but I, wow. I'm just. Can I think we, it's better. Okay, well, let's not. Uh, let's let 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 him do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's let him do it when he comes back. When okay, he comes back, uh, but you know, he out there being famous. But but we got an even better <laughs> black man in the studio. Man, we can't be doing this. I can't don't, say. Don't put that on me. I can't say anything. Don't no, put I'm that on kidding. me. But I will we say do, nothing. We I can't do. Say. We do have an amazing <laughs> guest. I'm just kidding. There's no comparison needed. There's no comparison needed. But we do have an amazing guest in the studio. And, you know, Jarrah's not here to give the special drum roll. So, I don't know. Maybe James... Oh, can I, can I do it? Can I do it? Okay, all right. Here we go. Yeah. <clears throat> Mama Dude. How's that? Ninja, everybody. What's up, everyone? Thanks for having me. Yeah, boy. That was okay, James. Yeah. That was okay to answer your <laughs> All question. All right. I tried. I mean, okay. like, I didn't get the chance to practice. I didn't realize that that's what I was walking into. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> Mamadou, very talented, incredible stand-up comedian, also a performer at this little place that we perform sometimes at UCB. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at this little place. Yeah. 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 Also, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I just want to sometimes I like to shout out people's tweets. And this is a completely random That's, tweet that I'm going to butcher, Mama Do. But you got to tell me if you remember it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. You had some tweet. You had some tweet. No, no, it's not. It's nothing crazy. It's okay. going to be people are going to be like, that was the tweet. Once I say it. Um, but you had, you had a tweet that was like Drake trying to figure out which Drake he was. And then you said the three different kinds of Drake that he can be. Do you oh, remember yeah. What those that was were? way back when he dropped. Um his last album more life and he had like the whole jamaican drake and he literally he could be any drake he wants to be i think that <laughs> yeah. every time he dates someone from a different culture we're gonna get an album 
in like a language from that culture. Right. Like <laughs> I I I really think that's going to be what's coming up next. Oh my god. It's so funny and I think about that all the time and I have like no one to share it with cuz I'm like it's a random tweet that I'm like do people <laughs> like how many <laughs> I have no one. But to I think share. about it so often. <laughs> Dude, it's true man. I mean I mean, I, I've been like, I've clowned Drake for a very long time, but uh, I've <laughs> over time grown to respect him because I've learned more and more about him. And uh, I get it. Drake, Aubrey, I totally get you now. So, oh man, if you listen, <laughs> you are really good at Twitter, though. It's hard, dog. I'm trying to get out of it. <laughs> but you try to get out Dude, because yeah, you, so, but for people who don't know, Mamadou like has uh, so many what we call viral videos. Oh my God. <laughs> Stop you do. Yes, you do. We, we call them we viral. Call them, we, call we call them viral, viral videos. No, the oh thing is, God. like, sometimes, like, you'll make an internet video and you're like, oh, like, I got 10,000. I got 10,000. That's a lot of views. But you, you've you been having, like, millions of views on your videos. Uh, and, then, and, then, and then what happens, though, because they're about blackness and race yeah. and... And the social activism is like in, inherently a part of the comedy that you do. Yeah, you also get the the Twitter mob, like the worst, the dregs of society coming at you. <sighs> it's the vitriol, man. I think honestly, it's crazy, man. People really think that the views are from people who like. Me. I think there's like fifteen or twenty views from people who like me, and then there's like a million. <laughs> and then the rest, <laughs> yeah, the oh, rest no. is just and hate. Then the rest aren't. So it's funny, but like. Like white nationalists, white supremacists will hate watch a lot of stuff. Like they, I feel like they make a yeah. lot of people popular. Honestly, they don't get it. They just don't. <laughs> I feel like this last election has shown that a lot of people, like a lot of people who are on that like hateful sort of like on the edge of society sort of people, figured out that they can use the internet to like really mess with people. Right, right. And but like part of that is like you're now also just like making people more relevant. Exactly. Because you want, you're like, I want people to be mad about this. Like, right. well, he actually has a point, and now I have a new friend. Right, and exactly. That's your fault. Right. So, yeah, it's looking really weird. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want. I don't want to always have to talk about no, social yeah. activism, but that's just what happens. Like, right. I feel like people like Mohammed, you got made into a political person, because, like, being black and Muslim, they're just like, those are two things you don't want to be right and, now. That's and I, true. People tell me I'm brave just for mm-hmm. waking up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wake up. Yo... Um, it is, oh man. Okay. So what basically for those of you who are new, we do review films with leading black actors. We talk about them in the context of race and diversity. Talk about about the race. Oh, okay. Thank you. (laughs) The energy. Diversity in Hollywood. Diversity. And today we are reviewing the film Fruitville Station, uh, the 2013 film, uh, director Ryan Coogler and starring Michael B. Jordan, Octavia Spencer is also in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was a film that was about a, a unarmed black man getting shot in 2008 in the <laughs> Bay Area. Police, yeah. In the Bay Area by the BART police, actually, yeah. which is interesting too because it wasn't it wasn't like the San Francisco PD. Yeah. Uh, but Oscar Grant is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was 22. Uh, he did have a child. Um, and yeah, the the film, when it came out, did pretty well. Uh, basically, it was made for like nothing. Uh, but it went to Sundance, got picked up 
by the Weinstein Company. <laughs> Yo, that had me hot when I watched it this time. I, 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 yeah, yeah, no. And, and that first logo it opened, pops and up. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I know. it's crazy. <laughs> I was like, ooh, yeah. I know. Ooh. The thing is, like, so many films were made, by the way, especially Oscar films. Yeah. Uh. Uh. But yeah, like, yeah. It, it, I think they they bought it for two million dollars. Two million dollars. Yeah. And then it went on to gross like seventeen million uh, yeah. in the box office. Pretty good for a movie that you know was and low low budget, very low budget indie movie, and like honestly, a type of movie that it's not like people are like. Ooh, like let's go for a relaxing evening to go see Fruitville Station. Yeah, it wasn't a blockbuster at all. <laughs> but. Um, but it was very well received critically. Uh, it jump started Ryan Coogler's uh, career, and it, though Michael B. Jordan was already known from The Wire and Friday Night Lights, I believe this was his first um, starring role, like lead role in a movie. Yeah. Uh, and hold on. I just wanted to see, check the Rotten Tomatoes score. Cause I feel like it wasn't anyway. I think it was something like 85%. What's crazy. Yeah. We're going to talk. Oh. What were you saying, James? I just said, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, like, Oh, like, Oh, that was low or higher. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, what I guess that's a, not a bad rating. I'm interested. I'm interested in the fact that it's not a hundred percent because that's what it should be. I mean, yeah, I'll, should be a hundred. It's interesting. It's a very well crafted movie. The reason why it's not a hundred percent, we'll definitely talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but um, okay. Sorry, I'm lying. It's ninety four percent though. 94. It's pretty high. okay. So it's pretty okay. High. All right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because yeah. eighty five, it was like come no. On. 80, I mean, like eighty five was the Metacritic score, mm. uh, which is which. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, well, there that were two, I understand. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's there fine. were two reviews. There were two reviews I read that didn't like the movie, and the reasons that they didn't like the movie was because they said it was not an accurate depiction of what happened, uh, because it was too it crafted too positive of a light on Oscar Grant on the. Ugh. Anyway, that's so. disgusting. <laughs> that's that's really age. gross. No. Uh, Those two people are deaf. That yeah. person is definitely going to hell. Yeah, I mean, you know, believe what you want about heaven or hell. That no, person's going. There's there. no love in their life. I hope they have uh, to only eat beans for the rest of their life. Um, <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. Like, yeah. So, uh, so now we'll just we'll do initial thoughts. We'll talk about our initial thoughts of seeing the film. Do you want to go first, Mamadou? Or yeah. Um, Sure. Uh, yeah, I I remember I watched this movie. The first time I saw it was in 2000, I think, 13. Mm -hmm. I was at my college and they had a screening of it. And I watched it and I was watching it in like a huge, like, um, you know, community center. So yeah. like, a bunch of people were watching it. Then there's a little talk back after it. So it was like, a, it was like, that was a weird first way to watch it. It wasn't in a theater. It was right. kind of more casual. That is an intense way to watch it. It was like. super intense. Yeah. And, um, it definitely moved me a lot um, because, you know, a year before was uh, the Trayvon Martin uh, That's right. incident in Florida. So I'd already kind of had like the beginnings of like thinking about how I'd want to like talk about these sorts of things or how I would process it. And then this movie is a story I didn't even know. Right. So then it got me down the rabbit hole, like learning about all these different stories. But what I think is really interesting about this one, I think my favorite part of it is that it captures like it captured the banality of just living a life. And right. trying to like actually, you know, you know, come back up from having gone to prison. Right. And that it's not as easy as like people are like, oh, who just go get a job? It's not easy. He's trying to get a job at the supermarket. Right. He's trying to like, you know, do like right by his mom. Uh, he's like trying to like, you know, 
do right by his uh, is a girlfriend or his wife? Maybe girlfriend, right? I think girlfriend. I don't think they were married. Yeah, I, I don't yeah think girlfriend. So. I think. Yeah, and I just think that it captured like the banality. Like I like the the way that I enjoyed watching it. It's just like watching how it built up to like this is just a day in this dude's life. And, that's and exactly right. Yeah. Even if you think that's way too positive, somebody's life, which I think that's a terrible way to look at this whole situation. I think that it was um, very beautiful, and it showed like ups and downs, yeah. and like the hard parts, and like trying to go back to your old life. Uh, versus trying to like move forward and showing that this is a person who may have had the chance to push forward, uh, but had that taken away from him because you know people will say life happens, but this is a st- systemic pro- problem. And right. when it came to the climax, even though I knew what this movie was about, like I still felt that gut wrenching sort of like I'm right there feeling right. of like this oh, is man. inevitable, and that inevitability is something that I think I carry with myself a lot as a black person, and mm-hmm. it carries. A lot into my work and like the projects that I work on, so I think this movie really did inspire me because um, it wasn't like too preachy. It was yeah, like, this is just somebody's day in his life, and something went terribly wrong right. because of the mistake of one person being incredibly trigger happy and ending a life that could have had the opportunity to like you know give back to the world. And that was so beautiful to see such a simple day play out for someone who's having a hard, a uh, rough go of it, and. I loved it. I mean, when I first saw it, I saw it, I watched it about five months ago because so I was taking notes on it for like a project that I'm working on. And I was like, this is very masterfully done. For Ryan Coogler's first feature film, man, that's mwah, beautiful. Right? Oh, man. Uh, James, you want to go? Yeah, I can go next. Um, I mean, it, this is a beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, I saw it in the in the theaters when it, when it uh, was first re- released, or I guess when it was more wide released, um, right. and uh, and I just thought it was I I don't I was at a loss for words then, you know, like I loved how simple it was, just showing this day, and like uh, definitely have a lot of qualms with the with the idea of it shows him in too positive of a light because they show a complex what they show i what i believe is shown as a human being somebody who has uh is is at a fork a human being at a fork in the road (laughs) of his life um and it ends up being the last day of his life but he he's not perfect and he's definitely not a golden boy by any by any means right he's struggling with uh, being honest, he's struggling with um, uh, how to deal with his uh, with his money situations. He's struggling with how to deal with his daughter and and his his girlfriend and like there there's there's just a lot there's a lot going on uh, uh, for him. So in no way, I think in no way is just trying to show uh, a positive uh, person or a positive um, life or lifestyle. Right. Um, I the acting in it is so good. I think it's so well written and directed. There's so many there's so many things, moments where like little seeds of 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 moments that happen at the beginning of the day that connect to things that happen at the end of the day that doesn't feel like they're shoving it down your throat. It's just sort of like, oh you 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 there are things that you clock. And I don't know if I clocked it more watching it this the second time, but I recall I recall going, you know, like when I when you hear her say at the beginning I'd rather die than go to 
to go to work on my day off or whatever it was. She, she says something like that. It's like there are little things like that throughout the whole thing that right. you're just sort of like clocking and then they're like they're setting them up and then we sort of see them all get knocked down in a sense by the by the end of it. Um, I, it's so good. And I mean, like mad props to um, uh, to Ryan uh the 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 film is just like i think it's just really well made and and i think it's a really great story yeah uh also i was gonna say i just looked her up melanie diaz was the actress who played uh his girlfriend um this film is really really good it's so funny because my so actually yeah i had seen this i didn't see it when it first came out i definitely saw it on dvd i think uh or, you know, on demand or whatever, um, when it was released on demand. But, um, and I remember watching it, I remember feeling like I had to watch it, you know, and, but liking it and being like, wow, that was really powerful. But I don't think I appreciate it as much artistry as in this film and in the seemingly impossible task that Ryan Coogler had before him in telling uh, the life of this, you know, kid, cause he was only 22, mm-hmm. uh, in just such a short amount of time and to get you, the audience to really both empathize with him, understand, like that's, I hated that review. I read that review. I was fuming cause I was like, <laughs> they show they they don't, they don't paint a picture of a perfect person. Like at all at all like you see his anger you see how he has failed his girlfriend and child at times you know what i mean like you see you see the hurt in him that's building up and the way that he like like takes out all of the oppression that he's felt from society on his loved ones sometimes like he you know have a you have the scene in the prison where he's like yelling at his mom and then apologize. You know, it's like yeah. it's, he, they show a very complex person who in no way is like supposed to be a saint, but that doesn't, that's not the point mm-hmm. because, and it's so, I mean, it's so telling that it was not just one reviewer. That's it. It was somebody from variety mm-hmm. and someone from the New York post, of course. Of course. Um, and, both, <laughs> and both of these people, were so concerned about the facts that they like, they were like, Oh, they never told you why he was in jail. It was because he had a possession of a handgun. Like that's supposed to like me knowing that fact makes me not feel bad about him getting killed. At the, you, I was just like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's so, uh, to me, it shows so much how when the narrative of these shootings happen because at this point we're desensitized to them we've seen them so much literally seen them the videos because there's so many we're not even talking about the ones that aren't recorded you know what i mean uh the ones that don't make the national headlines um and we all see them and the only thing that happens is like this disgusting debate about what what this person was doing to deserve getting shot and killed even though we know even when we know that they are unarmed, you know, it's like, and to me, this movie was such a, I mean, it was just, it was brilliant to be like, Hey, I'm going to show you what happened first. Right. Cause he uses the footage and then 
go through this person's life, it, just their day in their life. And so you can see like, here's some messed up things they're doing. Here's some good things that they're doing. Here's the potential for this person's life. And the moments that lead up to this incident happening where essentially just a few, just like, you know, wrong place, wrong time, you know, maybe a poor decision, not really, but whatever, like, and then all of a sudden life or death, like it's crazy. And I found myself, I found myself in the beginning of the movie dreading watching it. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle of the movie, so engaged and actually somewhat forgetting about what was going to happen, even though it like always kind of looms in the back, you're like, Oh, like, yeah, Oh man, how is he going to get out of this struggle? Like, how is he going to figure out how to make some money? You know, can he get on the right path? Is you know, is, you know, the fact that he has no money going to suck him back into selling drugs again? Like what's his, you know, what's his kid going to do? Like you, you're, you're, you're kind of engaged in all this stuff. And then, Oh, oh my God. And then, and then the end happens and you're like, no, please. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. For me, I literally was watching yeah. like, please don't happen. Like, I don't want it to happen. Maybe he doesn't die. I literally, I literally rewatched this movie mm-hmm. and they're in the hospital and I was like, maybe, there's maybe, he, maybe there's a chance. Yeah. And, oh, and man. I think that just speaks to how expertly directed this film was and acted. Um, even all of the other, like his friends, they were so great. Yeah, his girlfriend, his like, girlfriend, was really, really good. Like, uh, and oh man, I'm talking so much. But I, le- what other thing I just want to say real quick is Octavia Spencer. I'm so like I was watching this and being like, see, this is the stuff that I wish she could do more of because rarely do we get to see Octavia Spencer just in contemporary setting. Yeah. Like she's seemingly always playing like a 60 year, yeah. like, you know, a maid from the sixties or something. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like we, like she was in shape of water this year and she's literally a maid and, uh, she got an Oscar nomination mm-hmm. for a role that was like, okay, like, no, you know, she was great, yeah. but like, it was just interesting. I'm like, she got an Oscar nomination for that, but not this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just interesting. Like, and this got no yeah. love from the Academy, which I, at all, at all, it's, yeah. it got shut out. Like, no, nothing. And well, because he, he, he looks too nice. You know what I mean? They just paint too nice of a picture of him. <laughs> and I think had they painted him to be a villain, I think it would have yeah. gone the other way. It's. It, yeah. I think, like, especially with Octavia Spencer's performance, like, I know when I watched, it, I don't know how this would be with you guys, but yeah. when I watched it, I put myself in the shoes of Oscar Grant the entire time. Gotcha. Not like that yeah. I was going through like exactly what he was going through, yeah. but I definitely was just like, yeah, I've definitely like you know said to, had like said some things I shouldn't have, or right. like I had the opportunity to do something that I that would have gotten me money, but I wouldn't have liked myself for doing that. I definitely like turned the right way and gone that direction. So he was clearly like doing, having all those different forks, like you were saying. And I remember at the end, the the part that really hit me, and I think it's because I'm very close with my mom and I love her to death. We all do, but like was just like seeing her like cry and see like that. Th- that is something that I if, if anything bad <laughs> happened to me, that would be the thing that I would never want to see. Is like my mom, like the, when she that when that role came around and she was just looking through that glass, I was. Uh. 
I was devastated. I, so I was. De- I mean, when she said, "I told him to take the bar," I literally like tears. I I couldn't help. I was just like, "Oh my god!" I immediately wanted to be in that room. Mm-hmm comforting her but also angry that this happened that she would even have to think about a decision to that she made of just saying please take the bart and and you know she's like she literally says like i just wanted him to be safe you know and you're just like oh my god yeah i was i'm not i'm not not a crier for movies but i was sitting there really really (laughs) like shaking i was just like oh my god dude she had me. She had me by my heart. Oh my god! Uh, she felt. It felt like. It felt like I was watching my own mother. Yeah. and it was very. And then very she's, hard. you know, and then she says, "Can I just hug him?" Can I just hug him? Ah. And then for, that, for me, for ah. me, it was just like, "There's the knife," and you're just twisting that knife oh. and like sort of really just sort of he digging like, he into my like heart. He doesn't like to be left alone. <laughs> yeah, and like the fact that like the cops were like not letting his girlfriend go back to like. There's just like so many little tiny like knife twists like going back and forth it wasn't even like substantial but you felt every single like 200 that's again to like not only the expert direction but ryan cooler wrote this too so he He wrote wrote this very very difficult project to like pull off and then pulled it off which is even crazier if he got no oscar nominations no sort of even not did he get a globe right yeah no so no but i will say this though i think uh directing black panther is above any Oscar nomination that could there could ever be <laughs> and I do think and I will say that I know Creed was a huge success too mm-hmm. and that probably played a, a big role in this but I would say that like definitely the statue that he got after the after the success of like Fruitvale Station and Creed mm-hmm. is like this type like here uh, go ahead direct and co-write mm-hmm. Black Panther <laughs> you know what I mean like that like for sure, I think is a yeah. I think he proved it. I think he proved himself with this film. Oh, yeah. uh, and the one thing I will say is that uh, he got a lot of help from Forrest Whitaker, who produced this. Mm-hmm. Now he already had yes. the idea in mind. He already felt like this is something he wanted to do, uh, and he was already working on it. But um, yeah, like Forrest Whitaker came in with his production company. They helped him. And then I think when Octavia Spencer became attached, she also helped mm-hmm. produce, um, uh, and I think got like some got some financing locked down for them. Mm-hmm. So like, it's so it's so interesting. Like you see, like these are the decisions that have to be made. The, like you, this is this is why we like talk about you need more black executives yeah. because without people like Forrest Whitaker or Octavia Spencer looking out like it's hard for people to get this stuff off the ground. It's not like, it's not that we don't have the ideas or the talent. It's just that you need the people in those places to give you the money, the resources, uh, you know, the doors open so that you can make a film of this magnitude and like put it out there for the world to see. And, and it's rough because like, like it's always been a community thing, right? Like even looking at like Black Panther, they got Kendrick Lamar, they got like the TDE gang, which is like all like you know people of color who are inside right. of this like rap collective to like help make the help make the soundtrack of this movie. It's all about community, and it's unfortunate because like I mean like I, from I know from my own experience, I've been trying to get this um, film about police brutality myself off the ground, and 
people are like, why isn't it ready yet? Why isn't it done? I'm like, dog, it's not that easy. Like, right. people aren't really trying to make these types of movies. So I've been like, having- yeah, but also, Mama, dude, why isn't it done? You know, oh, what I mean? dog, listen, I'm I'm over here <laughs> shook. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, I can guarantee some product this year because I, I I did lock something down. So hopefully something comes of it. But like, that's the thing. It's like we have to go through. There are different types of gatekeepers for projects. So like many this. gatekeepers, and the, way more than you would ever think. Exactly. <laughs> You're and, like, wait, there are this many gates? I and thought the, it was yeah, just this one. Exactly. No, yeah, they literally build gates as they open gates. It's like there's <laughs> more gates, and like you have like to, that's a, this is a fence. Even I can exactly. I can just step over. It's so yeah. I can, <laughs> bro, it's so true. The amount of things that Kugler did, like he was like in like a script writing con- like it was like you know he went to USC, yeah. he, like did a script writing contest, got this thing with uh, Forrest Whitaker yeah. and then like you know when they got Octavia Octavia had to get some stuff down and then it had to go to Sundance and then it had to get the Weinstein company yeah. you know what I mean like it was just like the amount of steps for this to be put into wide release so many black people <laughs> had to like step up and be like yo let me give you some of this money before one white guy goes you know what there might be something there I know and, I know isn't that crazy cra- isn't that crazy and then he would have gotten yeah. the oh yeah we were like oh good looks for figuring all this out wine, you know what I mean Oh, and then God. it's that dude <laughs> Right? Holy crap. That's crazy to think about. Yeah, I think one of the things about this movie, though, too, is that I think people... And this is something I've been talking about about The Last Jedi, too, because I feel like people didn't like The Last Jedi. I feel it's weird to compare these two movies. Mm -hmm. But people want, like... I like this. I like where you're going. Yeah, clear-cut good and evil. I don't know if I do. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) Thanks, James, for the support. Uh, but they people like like clear-cut good and evil. They like clear-cut good and evil. And they, they they saw somebody who had, like, traits that were, like, some bad, some good, mm-hmm. and they didn't. They didn't like. They don't like this nuanced portrait, and that's what I think Ryan Coogler did with this character. Right. Like, of course, they didn't go that. Far. I don't think we needed to go that far back to find out what he did to get in prison. The fact that he was Doesn't in matter. jail, and the way that he was treating his own mother, and then the arguments he's having in the jail, then like how he's trying to like get back on his feet, sometimes reverting back to that sort of like, "Yo, I'm gonna need this job." Right. That was enough to be like, yeah. "Yo, he's got some darkness in him, but he is fighting for this lightness," and that is. And that's why I think people don't like the, the like the Last Jedi too. It's like they want clear cut good and evil. There's the Empire. There's the Jedi. They're fighting each other. Go for it. But they see people just out here being like switching sides, like throwing away old things and trying new things. Right. And that is something that I feel like our minds are very much conscripted to, given the history of cinema and the history of just like how we are as people. Like people are either with us or they put us in the in group or the out group. And for Oscar Grant, they gave a very nuanced character. You may not have agreed with a lot of things that he did, but you still wanted him to succeed. And I think that um, those people who were reviewing it, the Metacritic people, probably just wanted like, oh, it was too good for it was too good of a portrait. We needed him to be a bad guy. Also, like they want him to yeah. fit into this box of being a bad black man. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah, I mean yeah. this. This goes back to what Bray was saying earlier, and I've been. I feel like they do such a great job of this, right? Like a a person who is alive is, I mean, this is going to sound very rudimentary, but is alive, right? There's possibility inside of them, always. Uh, and, the, and the movie is like a dance, right? We're watching him sort of teeter on a line. And, and the whole time, he can, he, can, he can either go one way or another. I, and when, when re-watching it, there were things that were happening that I was like, oh, it happens this soon in the movie? Like him getting mad at his boss that I, I remember that feeling later him uh pouring out the drugs and uh turning the other and and just give and giving away his last bit 
uh, uh, to the to the guy who he's dealing to. I remember that feeling like it happened so much later, as if there was like so much build up to that. Mm-hmm. But no, he's you know we we are sort of stuck. We are we are thrusted into his life very early on in the movie, and there's always like a, a will he won't he kind of feeling. And I think that that the 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 fact that the movie makes us feel the possibility of life, the possibility of future the through line of like is he gonna marry uh the melanie yes. what's her what's her name in yeah. the in the movie but like the the fact that that the way that that is is built up throughout the whole movie is so it's is something that you are watching and you and you want to see happen it's so much so to the point where bray is going is he gonna maybe he makes it <laughs> at the end right like because he, he is always living in this until he isn't and i think that that's like right such it, they do such a great job of doing that here's the thing i want to say <clears throat> because and I, i'm sorry i'm giving like i guess i shouldn't be giving so much attention to these reviews but i just feel like it's important for people to understand the full context of like kind of the insidiousness of what the, the these reviewers were saying yeah Essentially, they were like, well, why did you take, why did you, for instance, the the drugs thing, mm-hmm. right? Like him throwing out the drugs and like, and they were like, well, that never happened that, you know, that that day he, he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So why did you put it in the movie? You're trying to say, show that he like, he's good and has like, he's about to start this brand new life of like, and he's just like, dude, first of all, he's 22. It doesn't matter if he was deciding in that moment or not whether he's going to continue selling drugs. He's 22. Do you know how much life he has ahead of him? He has at least 60. You know what I mean? It's like he has 50 to 60 years of life ahead of him. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me you're upset that Ryan Coogler found a really great way to cinematically show the story of here's the potential of this kid's life. Mm -hmm. And we feel that in this like yeah he might be able to because the fact of the matter is even in that scene i didn't go i didn't go oh he's never going to go back to drugs again yeah you knew that the possibility yeah. was still there yeah. of course i mean it, of, course. of course it's still there the the next scene the next scene when he when he tells his girlfriend that he did it she's immediately like oh shit you know what i mean like it's like right. he's, he could be in a lot of trouble like it like his connection uh to these circles is not gone just because he poured out some no. drugs and yeah. his and, <laughs> and his need for money is not gone yeah. so we understand right. that that potential is there but what ryan coogler is showing us is here's first of all understand his predicament he is a black kid he's a 22 year old black man living uh, with a baby, you know, he, he has to support his child, his girlfriend, you know, he, his mom is not rich mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, no. The job that he got fired from was just a gross, like it wasn't, it wasn't even a great job. Yeah, It like, wasn't like he was like wearing a suit every day. He was just doing like a nine to five, not even nine to five, probably just like a shifted job that probably paid minimum wage. Yeah. A service industry job that pays minimum wage that, yeah, he was late for. And it's like, did he just yeah he probably deserved to get fired but the thing is it's tough man like when you're here's the thing about young <laughs> the young people of color it's like the you you uh what am i trying to say i think you take for granted how many chances people get in life yeah you know what i mean like you take for granted doing something stupid and not having it define the your entire yeah. life 
entire life. And this is what happens to black men, young black men, way more at a way higher rate. And like we're than talking about white men. just in this movie. Like before this right. he was in jail before this movie. Like before the events of like what we're seeing, he was in prison. So when he was in prison, he was younger than twenty two years old. Then exactly. you look at like if you want to put that yeah. into context of right now, like yeah. you're trying to cancel this dude the dude's entire life at 22 because of you know having a handgun okay he's trying to learn and get better who knows what's going to happen in the future unfortunately we'll never be able to hear that story but then let's like look at a contemporary right now who is not a person of color like logan paul he did something very stupid he has bounced back within a month right. and we're probably not going to care in a year and but Think about people all the yeah. don't think justin bieber has done so many so and many. it's hurtful it's almost hurtful to see him continue like i don't want him anything bad happen i think right. you're allowed to learn and grow and change but he's done some pretty dumb things and yeah. we're just like yeah we're gonna let it rock but this black person did one thing wrong ended up going to jail and then he's he's struggling he because it's it's easy to go down that like rabbit hole of, right like, doing the wrong thing for the right reasons but he's trying to do the right thing for the right reasons and we're watching that struggle play out through this movie so I think that's also like a testament to like the puritanical like view that we're having in right now. It's like mm-hmm. you want people to be perfect. You want people to like have everything together. I think like I said, going back to the banality of this, you saw the struggle. You saw like right. that he made mistakes. He talked to people the wrong way. Well, he apologized for it. Here's the interesting thing though. Uh they don't actually want everybody to be perfect yeah. because where the mistake thing is okay mm-hmm. is for the police. Oh, this police mer- I mean, so the defense for this officer, even though he he got he was convicted of involuntary manslaughter yeah. because his defense was, I thought it was the taser. I remember reading that. I thought it was I'm my hot. taser, Ugh. and I Ugh. thought I I thought I was shooting my taser, but it was actually my gun. I didn't mean to shoot him. I didn't mean to kill him. I just was supposed to. I was going to tase him, which was right because he was resisting arrest. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the mistake that this officer made got him to. His sentence was two years, mm-hmm. and he got out in eleven months because of probation. I'm that. sure, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. he took the life of a 22 year old. Even if, even if we're to believe him, which I'm sorry, I don't. Mm-hmm. But even if we're to believe him Absolutely that he not. he just did that mistake, you think a black man gets the the same treatment of? I accidentally killed somebody, so I'm just going to get 11 months in prison, and then when I leave, I'm good to go for the rest of my life? <laughs> Absolutely not. You know what like, I mean? Like, so, Of course not. So this whole, like, oh, man, it's it's so infuriating. I'm actually, like, holding back because, like, I, I will admit, by the end of this film, I was so mad. I, I And I literally, it was funny because I was, I was thinking back about all the scenes in which we see one of the reasons I think Michael B. Jordan is so great is because he it has the ability to show such compassion and kindness in his eyes, but then also the rage at like mm-hmm. a danger. You know yeah. what I mean? So he can play both of that like in, in an instant. In, in a moment. Uh like the shop like let's talk about the restaurant. I mean not the restaurant, the uh, grocery. Yeah. Cause that that's such a great scene. Yeah. So you have the grocery store where He's there. This is the grocery store he used to work at. Mm-hmm. He's talking to his boy. You know, he's getting crab legs for his mom. It's his mom' bir- his mom's birthday. He's talking to this girl who comes in trying he's to help her girl. out. Yeah. <laughs> he's, you know, yeah. he's talking her up. You know, he's flir- clearly flirting clearly, with her. Clearly, clearly. You know, yeah, we see messy. him call his grandma. Mm-hmm. He uses his grandma in a flirting ploy, which is 
Yo, that was honestly, okay, before we get back into the dark stuff, that was like next level when he was just like, yo, talk to my grandma for a hot second. I, that's yo. never, well, number one, my grandma doesn't speak English, but like, I, that's never crossed my mind to be like, yo, talk to my family member. They got all the deeds. Like, yeah. That's crazy. That was, when I when I saw that the first time, I was, I was, it was laughing. I was just like, really, right. dog? Like, that's a, Yo, yeah, that kind of move. She wanted the fish fry. She though. wanted she the fish fry. To know what the fish fry deets were. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. we, you know, who else knows? You know, Grandma, Grandma Bonnie knows. You oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't fault him for that, but like, it was clearly a ploy for like he was playing the long game on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> made uh, me laugh. And then, so we see, but then like you know, he's doing that, and he's kind of like he's being, but he's like being nice, and uh, you just see this very light side of him, and then. He sees his boss and he goes over to his boss, very apologetic. Please, like, I need this job. Can you please help me out? His boss is like, I already hired somebody. And he's like, I know, but like, yo, like, I, I, I'll be here. I'm, new. I'm, I just, I really need this job. And his boss is like, if I give you this job, I have to fire someone else. Sorry. And like, turns to leave. And then <laughs> the rage and anger, like, immediately you see it in his eyes. Oof. He like grabs his boss, like, kind of like, Aggressively. aggressively grabs him and like brings him back and is like hey i need this job what do you want you want me to be outside like you want me to wait for you outside like it's basically threatening to rob it mug yeah. him and his boss kind of but you could tell his boss was like this isn't right but i'm he was also like somewhat understanding because he yeah. doesn't he did he's not like i'm gonna call the cops like don't you ever threaten me again like yeah he's just like i can't help you yeah I, I'm sorry. I gave you the chances. I, I gave, gave you, you the chance. And you squandered them. And yeah. that is, uh, again, <laughs> to show that, like, that's a very complex relationship. Right. Like, this movie didn't have anybody's relationship where it was just, like, a normal. Besides, like, his friends. Like, that's just a friendly sort right. of thing. But, like, every relationship had, like, a little bit of, like, a tenuous situation. Right. With his mom, with his, like, with his uh, girlfriend, with his, with his kid. It's, like, very cute. Right. But it's, like, hard because he wants to be a good role model and do all this. He's thinking about his kid and he's throwing these drugs away. So, like, I, shout again, shout out to Ryan Coogler for, right. you know, continuing to portray complex characters and complex feelings. Yeah. There's an internalized uh, fight or flight mode inside of him mm -hmm. it's like the way that he grew up you don't even you, you don't even need to see you only need to see the one day in his life mm -hmm. the way that he grew up he was constantly being he's like he feels under threat mm -hmm. in his life from whatever the circumstances are yeah. so much so that when certain uh like moments come up and he feels he's being attacked he has this very immediate fight or flight response mm -hmm. and he chooses to fight because that's how he survived. Yeah. Especially in prison. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. So like we know, so every time something happens where he doesn't get his way and he feels it's really important, he goes into this fight mode, mm -hmm. you know, uh, or he goes, or he just, f he flees, if not literally physically, emotionally, like with his girl girlfriend usually that's what he does so yeah. there's so many scenes where she confronts him and she's like what's happening mm -hmm. and you see him just kind of drift like mentally drift yeah. away you you can see it in his eyes you can like see it in his he's eyes gone. he's Not gone right. he mentally just away and then he's then he'll misdirect and like talk about something else because he doesn't he just doesn't want to go there yeah. which i mean i like to be honest I saw myself in him so much. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it'd be like, like that. I was like, oh, snap. Like, it's so hard to just be open and vulnerable um, 
you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I know that's a stereotype for men. Uh, and then I think it's an even stronger stereotype for a black man. Mm. But the reality is, like, if you if it's not modeled, the, this kind of open emotional vulnerability where you can say, hey, I'm feeling, you know, for him to, like, be able to go to his girlfriend and be like, I got fired. I'm, I don't know what to do. I messed up. But I also, like... I want to be, you know what I mean? And, and he hid that all that information cause he didn't want to be attacked. And then he like, yeah. and then he has that scene where he does, where, where she like really see, she's like, something's happening. And yeah. he's like, all right, you know what? Let me try to be open. Yeah. And he's over with there. And then of course she attacks him before, because she's like, yo, you should have told me this two weeks ago when yeah. you actually got fired. Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like i'm trying to be oh, oh, trying to be open with you right now exactly. like you ain't trying to hear me like and she's like no if you want to be open with me and the thing is what she's saying is right yeah you know but at the same time he it's hard for him to see him to see that and i think he, he kind of does in that moment it was this really beautiful like relate like he was trying to he's trying to break a messy. barrier he's, he's the yeah. entire movie is him trying to break all these internal barriers that he's built to like survive he's like this isn't right. This isn't right. good. This isn't the way that things are supposed to be done. And then at one point, he's just like that point when he's like, they're having that argument back and forth was so beautiful because he's, he, you can see him struggling. He's like, I'm trying to be open with you, but, but like he's wanting her response to be the response. A like, oh, thanks for trying to be, right. but it's not what's going to happen because she's, he's putting their financial future and the exactly. future of it in jeopardy of their when child. he's trying to be the, he's trying to be like, you know, come up in the world and she's bringing him back. Now he's feeling all these different feelings of like, oh, now they're dragging me back. Everyone's against me. But at the end of the day, he still like really loves this woman right. and like is trying to do his best. And she's not seeing that in that moment, but she definitely understands that he really does care. But like it was. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think she even does see it. She is also like, look, I'm raising this child. Yeah. You know, this is hard for me. Mm-hmm. I need you to be better. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, I at need the end of the you day, to be like, there. At the end, I just need you to be better. Yeah. And I think he realizes that. So he has that. And it's like, man, there's this thing in, I don't know if this is a controversial statement, but I feel like there's this thing in, in black men sometimes where they're, because you feel so disrespected by society and you feel and because of all these images of saying like you won't be able to do like you won't succeed you aren't worth anything Mm -hmm. like you you belong where you are Mm -hmm. um when it's like this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy of like when they when you try to break out the the first the first couple of barriers that happen mm-hmm. you're like see man this is why I wasn't even trying in the first place exactly. you know what I mean because yeah. it's like even more even more so than the actual I'm in the hood like the actual physical barrier of mm-hmm. like being in a low like you know in a poverty area like urban housing or whatever mm-hmm. is the mental barrier. Yeah. that you got to break through. And I, I don't know. I'm anyway, you I sound like Jay-Z right now. You sound I like Jay-Z right talking. now. <laughs> J- so like Jay-Z Z post I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> did you guys like the fact that it started with the real shooting, uh, with the footage that it started with that? Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm, uh, you know, I, uh, I don't look at videos when they're shared. Um, of course. Yeah. I don't either. When anymore. they're like shared online. I never, yeah. I never do. I never do. I always, I think I, I started to watch the uh, John Crawford one, and I was mm-hmm. like, "What am I doing?" And I turned, and I, and I uh, uh, stopped. 
but I but I appreciate this movie starting with it. I think um, you know, like we know what the movie is about. We know what we're getting ourselves into, and they just sort of very um, uh, clearly just show us this is it. This is the event, and now this is the this is the movie. This is what um, uh, could have been, or this is what um, yeah. This is what led up to it. Uh, I think it's, I th- and I think it puts you, if you're not already in that headspace, it gets you right, sort of ready to see what you're about to see, like mm-hmm. life stopping. You know what I mean? Like, or the, or, yeah. you know, because it's such a, the moment, the moment itself is like what is most hectic is, or the craziest thing that's happening, or the most force being being exerted is by the police you know we hear the we the audience we hear the the crowd around uh sort of being very everyone's everyone is against the cops and rightfully so they're being very being aggressive very aggressive very Violent. aggressive in a way that it, it does not feel like the situation is is called for you know um so i think it's good that it starts that way um, I yeah. I love this moment. Uh, I, oh wait, I don't want to move on until. Does anyone else have anything they want to? Well, say the about only thing I wanted to this? say about it, and I, I hope this sounds respectful. Like it, it actually, if to me felt Shakespearean in a way. It was like the setting yeah. up yeah, of the yeah. tragedy. Like I was just reminded mm-hmm. of Re- Romeo and Juliet. Like oh, like the, the beginning, beginning of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. They like tell you these yeah. two lovers are going to die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they tell you straight <laughs> up at the top. You're about to yeah. watch. You're about to watch this. two lovers are going to die. And it's like <laughs> this. You, they play the video, and you're like, this is what, like this movie is about. This this scene that happened where cop where cops were aggressive, and then one of the one shot and killed an unarmed black man. Now let's yeah. watch the movie. Yeah. And then you start watching yeah. and you start to forget about what you first saw. Like you, mm-hmm. you I, I mean, you don't fully forget. It's it lingering in the back of your mind. It's hovering over the presence of this entire movie. Like you were saying, James, like there are certain moments like, you know, especially the moment with the, the pit bull, like, mm-hmm. you know, like that, you know, and yes. it's just like seeing death and like knowing it's coming and like him, like, what are you going to, you know, like leading up, like, what are we doing and all this stuff. But you still kind of get lost in the store, in the person's life. And then when it comes at the end, it, it's just like, it was like this very, like, I was like, holy crap, like, this is a, this is what Shakespeare does. Like, this is the tragedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. I think that's actually a great, I think the chorus is a great uh, uh, thing to, to compare this to because, like, we do get, like, the, we get, the people on the outside saying this is wrong cops you shouldn't be doing that he's not doing anything you know you know right you hear and, him, and, let him go let we, him go let right. him go you know and we and we also and we also get to see that like well, all he does is stand up and then is and then is just immediately surrounded by by um, the, uh, the four cops yeah. so i think that's a great uh, 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 connection to make all and then over and that pitbull moment <laughs> The, well, the pitbull moment is the moment that, that I was about to, yeah, to talk, talk about, about it too. So I love I, I love that moment. I think it's 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 great. This is another one of those like this did not happen. Yeah. There's no way of like yeah. like he doesn't. It's not it's not a thing that like he talks about later. So it's not even like that they could have gotten. Then they said he he, he got a pitbull got hit or whatever. No, it's just a moment that they put into the movie. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earnin. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work. 
up to $100 per day and up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earning app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. And look, guys, I know you're like me. Sometimes unexpected instances come up where you need a little extra cash. I know for me, we I got two dogs. Every now and then, one of these dogs eats something that they're not supposed to eat. <laughs> they be pooping, uh, you know, doing yeah, something. And I'm I like, we got to take this dog to the vet. And the vet's like, you got to give me my money. And I'm like, goodness gracious. Well, that's why you got something like earning because you can make earning a part of your financial routine. Enjoy earnings over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about earning, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earning today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earning app, type in Jump Under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Jump Under Podcast, subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See Earning.com slash T-O-S for details. Earning is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank Ed Trust, member FDIC. Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, this is Tim Heidecker, and I'm glad to be back in Glendale, California, in the studio with my good friends DJ Doug Pound and Vic Berger for another episode of our podcast, Office Hours Live. This week we had a very special guest, His Golden Messenger, who played a beautiful tune for us. We laughed, we had fun, and you should tune in to Office Hours Live this week, and quite frankly, every week on your podcast app of choice or at youtube.com slash Live. And so this is what, what I like about it is, uh, so a pit bull is looked at as being a very aggressive uh, animal. Yes. But but if you the more you know about pit bulls, the more you realize like they're actually, they are quite docile and... Uh, you know, and aren't you know? The, the, you look at them and you think that's a scary uh, creature, right? Yeah. Um, but but uh, you know, uh, uh, unless provoked, it's your it's fine. Like it's not gonna do anything to you know. And it and it is hit, and then the the, the car runs away, and it's it's just this life that's that's now being expunged. And no one seems to care about it except him. And this this nice, I mean, you know, not that you know, but it's the it made me think about like you know, like black men are predators kind of thing, and and how right. he's there with this creature that's just like this this living uh, thing that is dying, and he cares so deeply for it. 
and is calling for help and is trying, you know, I think it's such a nice moment. This was another one of those moments that I was like, I thought this happened later on in the movie and it happens like 15 or 20 minutes in and it's, you know, they're really putting, they, they put you, uh, uh, directly in this mindset of like, of, of caring and we're thinking about death and we're thinking about what does it mean to be a black person in, a, in, a, in America all while watching someone that we know is going to die uh, moments later, uh, uh, you know, sh- fighting for something, anything. It's such a great moment in the movie. That was one of my favorite analogies in the movie because I think that it's hard for me whenever I try to explain race or like racism. Uh, it's very hard, I think, for a lot of us people of color because we're deeply entrenched in yeah. we live it and you you're telling me you don't understand what we live it's like a very weird like uh cognitive dissonance sort of situation where you end up trying like you're battling with yourself being like oh i understand why you couldn't understand this but i want you to understand so badly and when i saw that metaphor it's like like you said it's like pipples much like black men and black people are perceived as aggressive right and there's psychological studies, neuroscience surrounding that sort of research, and it's it's very unfortunate. So when I saw like this black man who's perceived as aggressive and is clearly going to be perceived as aggressive for the rest of this movie, and I know what's going to happen, I see him caring for another creature who's also being you know perce- perceived as aggressive, it really hit me because I was like, this is a very beautiful like metaphor for what's going to happen in the movie. And like I remember the, upon first watching, I was like not really thinking about that because I was like very stone faced. Like I know what's going to happen. This is going to be triggering. Right. I do want to watch this movie, but the second time I watched it, I was uh, all the way in for like all these metaphors and like little tee ups right. for what's going to happen. And like, um, yeah, the the pitbull scene especially seeing as it's like it's very empty there's not a lot of people around it um it was just like it's michael b jordan just acting his ass off with this like dog and i remember just sitting there being like this is supreme writing (laughs) like this is very this they don't even need to explain it like we will get it and i feel like there's there may have been some people who didn't get the pitbull analogy but hopefully like they thought about it some more and then they're like didn't get it huh the people who wrote those two reviews didn't get it. Oh, they didn't. No, no. they just no, thought they it. Was, they just thought it was a fake scene that they added to make him look more human, like more caring, like yeah. a, more of a nice guy <sighs> than he actually was. I mean, when you want him in screenwriting, when you want to make someone look more heroic, you make him do a small deed of kindness early right. in the movie. So, right. like, I'm sure they were looking at like that small deed of kindness didn't happen. Which is funny because it's like, bro, like, bro, he didn't even. He, it's not like he saved the dog. The dog died. Like, all he did was like. The thing is, it was show. It, yeah, there was this, first of all, metaphor that you missed, which is funny <laughs> because, and missing the metaphor, you're proving the necessity of the, the metaphor. metaphor yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they literally yeah. wanted him. <laughs> they, like, they were like, uh, like this criminal black guy who you're trying to make me think is a good person because he's caring for this pit bull when he dies. It's yeah. like, that's so wrong. It's like, cool, as you, you missed it, you yeah. missed everything. But also. <laughs> But also, what do you mean? Like, you think this dude is like a some cold-blooded like killer assassin? Like, what? Like, he has no feelings? Like, of course he's gonna care about a dog dying. Like, he's not a sociopath. I mean, sometimes I walk <laughs> around the streets of New York mad at people. When I see a dog, I warm up immediately. Yeah, <laughs> and like that, like there's just something it's about sa- like seeing a creature in pain, yeah, in pain too. It's taking, a, it's showing you. It's like he is able 
to experience a moment where he's not thinking about all the hardships in his life and all and all the the battles that he's going through and he's able to like see some something else and care for it and empathize with it you know in a way that's beautiful it it it, it Yes, it humanizes him because he's a human. Yeah, and you know that, I mean? that's the thing. Once you're, a, especially as a black man, the moment you oh, do that something, guy's a, he's a human. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like the moment that a black man does anything wrong, or like, you, and like, even if he goes to atone for it, comes back, he gets even more attached. To like the like the analogy of being a beast, right? And that analogy, like even calling people monsters and stuff like that, is forgetting right. that people are human, right? And if they're human, yeah, they're going to make mistakes. And if you make them a beast, well, they're a mindless creature. And that is something that has been a stereotype that's carried with uh, black right. people since the beginning because it is the beginnings of how, like, you know, racism was formed. <laughs> like, right. you know, these are, like, creatures, animals. They don't speak our language. They're just like a dog to us. And they were used and abused in that sort of way. So, like, that analogy just goes so much deeper that he saw something that is actually an animal but carried the same sort of like feelings that he was feeling as like someone who just misunderstood dying on the side of the road. And it's like so- also similar to looking like, get out when yeah. uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character goes to see the deer and you see the deer dying. That's like a right. moment of just like, I know that's a metaphor for something else happening in the movie, but he's watching another animal just like who's treated like a beast right. killed and like left off on the side of the road. Then you hear uh, um, Allison Williams' dad being like, oh, I want them all dead. Like all these beasts, right. I want them out. And that's another, me- it's like, yeah. The metaphor of the beast is so deeply steeped into so much of being a black man in existence that if you miss that, of course you're gonna write trash right. reviews. <laughs> like you, if you don't have like that level of thinking about how people have been right. like perceived over generations, over history, over sociology, you'll never be able to understand that. And that's why you get these trash Metacritic reviews. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, w- just one of the things about this film to me that's so excellent is the fact that we see him. Uh, not just mess up, but like be a person that's a little bit unlikable. Like the, um, the scene where the scene where he's in jail. Now you do have the context that he's in prison, and prison is awful, and clearly he <laughs> has to act a certain way to like survive. In, in no way rehabilitative. <laughs> um. Yes, and in no way rehabilitative. Oh my goodness. I mean. Come on, we I can mean, talk like, all day. The argument they have with his mom there was over the top. <laughs> I was like, whoa. The fact that it's funny, it's like this dude provokes him and he starts yelling, and like he's visiting his mom. You would think that an officer immediately, a bail, you know what I mean? Like they would come over and stop the dude from antagonizing him take him away you know what i mean and let this dude visit his mom but there's no there's no real like like people aren't criminals are definitely not treating like human beings they're treated like caged animals i mean in fact even though i mean it's like it's weird it's like the word criminal provokes a certain idea in your mind when it is said Mm -hmm. therefore and and that's intentional Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to think you're supposed to hear the word criminal and think i have no pity yeah. It's like I hear criminal and I go, cool. Now that you said the word criminal, I don't have to care about this person's life at all in any shape or form. Mm-hmm. As if yeah. And it's like, cool. What con- now what constitutes criminal? Now you see all these different thi- like all of these different ways in which the law has been set up mm-hmm. so that things that honestly a lot of this country does uh can put can slap a label like you being 
caught for marijuana, selling marijuana. Oh, you don't have... It's like even the even he had a possession of a, a legal handgun. But it's not like owning a gun is illegal. It's just that you have to own it through the proper system. Oh, yeah, while being white. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it, it's like, there's no, it doesn't, nobody, and it's like, well, we need to have law. It's not, I'm not even saying we don't need to have laws or whatever. Like, yes, there is, there are valid reasons that you have like systems in place for guns and all that stuff. Of course there is. Yeah. But the thing that's so funny about it is that those same people who are so pro-gun, so pro-gun, mm-hmm. the same people who, you know, the same conservatives who will, who will like literally stockpile weapons in their home mm-hmm. will turn around and point to a black man who has a, a legal gun and be like, yeah, lock him up, lock him up for years, 10 years, five. I don't give a crap. I mean, that's throw him happened. away, call him a criminal and, t- and strip his life away. And that's what happened with Philando Castillo. He had a legal gun and he was letting the officer know, yo, I have a legal gun. And then it was cap cap. It was done. And that's, it's like, there's this, uh, there is this weird double conscience you have to have as a black person doing anything, anything. Yeah, like owning a gun is like the is a high right. tier thing to do. As but like even thinking about owning that is that you have a good like if we have that whole myth of like a good guy with a gun, like they don't see good black people with guns. They see good white people with guns. Right, and that is what is part of this problem. And yeah, like that we don't even get to see that scene. We just get to know that that's why he's in jail. Right. And then when when we're talking about his mom being there, it's like, yeah, they don't care that he's seeing his mom because once you get to prison, you're done. You're like, done. You're that's it. And then you hear about like people going to prison, like especially white people, and then coming back out. I mean, Brock Turner, like my son did like a hot fifteen seconds in jail. Like he did a tight fifteen, and then he came out for rape. And then and, yeah, and then he's probably gonna he's probably gonna that's gonna carry with him for the rest of his life. Yes, but he's gonna get g- given chances. Yeah, and now people feel dude. sorry for him. Yeah, and there's there's black people who are in here for far less of a problem, but they are immediately villainized. Again, I think it's a binary. You only want to think of good and bad, and that binary is so steeped in the racial history of this country. It's not going to look. And good. what's so crazy? We're talking a lot about this stuff, but uh, and I think we have knowledge about the subject, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But like, the film isn't heavy with this. No, at all. It and it, it, it's so funny because it's like it's actually not a polit- the the only reason this is considered a political film mm-hmm. is because it's because black lives are just inherently political in I mean, this country. That's what Michael Chase's joke is. This is like black lives matter. Matter. That's where we are. Black lives exist. Like he's he's right. It's like that's yeah, where we you're are. You're getting mad at Black Lives Matter as if Anyway, we don't have to debate we that. Don't but I, 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 it's just that it's just that <laughs> I know it's just so stupid. I'm like, whatever. I can't even like. But uh, <laughs> but it's so funny. Like I just think about it because you know, Grammys and I mean, so many things where people. I mean, we see it on Twitter all the time. Mm-hmm. You you'll have these uh, whatever like people in the Trump administration, like MAGA people. They'll just say stupid stuff like, "Oh, why are you making this? But why are you making football political? Why are you making this political? Blah mm-hmm. blah blah." It's like you because you have inherently made our lives political like this is not a political film mm-hmm. it's not even it's not re- like yes you could say at the end of the day the film wants you to feel bad that this kid's life died like was taken away mm-hmm. and i don't know why you don't yeah. you know what i mean like i don't like cool we're not talking about the actual politics of hey uh here's here are the 
the, uh, the political systemic changes that need to happen in police departments in regards to training and blah, blah, blah. This the film is not talking about any of that. No, no, no. What it's trying to say is, hey, this person died. Can we care about this person for a second? For a second. But you we... know what? I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Do it, James. I know. I, look, I'm going to say it. Do it. Okay? Say it. My life as a black person in America, as a black life in America, regardless of any of the protests, et cetera, et cetera, is political as fuck. The reason being, I'm going to say it, and I know this is so, but people took us all those years ago and brought us over here, okay, and made us slaves, and then shit got fucked up, released us, Liberia, et cetera, et cetera. Now I'm here, okay? And if a cop, if my life is taken in any way, it's politics. It's politics. Right. I don't care. I don't even care. I don't even care if the per if if someone accidentally killed me. It's po- it's it's politics that I am. I would I wouldn't have been in. I me would a person. I wouldn't exist here right now in this time today if it wasn't for all of that bullshit that went down all those years ago. Okay, so it's political as fuck. And I know that you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. there are laws. exactly. There are literally laws. Like, yeah. it's like in the city. That's the other thing. I'm thinking about like, oh, here are the. Chi- this dude isn't getting that many chances. Like, you could tell, right? Like, he's not getting that many chances. Man, it's like he has a very he has very few chances in yeah. life. He doesn't get to make that many mistakes. It's very similar. Baseball, three strikes and you're out, right? Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> you get to go up again and do another three strikes. But this feels like no, like. One, two, three, you're done. Nah, dog. Now we know that it's literally written in the system, not just a three strike rule, there was a one strike rule. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Clinton campaign, I mean, the Clinton administration did this, where yeah. they literally made it so that, oh, oh, you have one drug possession, the next one, you're done. And it's also like with Jeff Sessions right now. He wants to make mandatory minimum. Mandatory he wants, minimum. He wants to do 15. Which is already, yeah, already a thing. And they want to like continue, uh, keep it go, like bring it back or yeah. I forgot, they lessened it or they whatever. It. But like this whole idea of like, no, like, and and the, the thing about it, uh, the thing about, I mean, now we are, now I am going to get political, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> the, thing, the thing about it that frustrates me is, uh, Nobody cares about the actual intention and rehabilitation. You talked yeah. about it before. Nobody actually cares about what. Why are these laws here? The laws. The intention of laws is to keep everyone safe. It's also to correct behavior. Mm-hmm. It's not to just subjugate people to a little shack so that we don't have to think about them anymore as people. Yeah. You know, and so. The whole, this whole system, like even the system with the cops, like the thing that annoys me so much, and it's funny, my brother-in-law is a cop. Mm -hmm. And- Do y'all talk? uh, We do talk. Okay, just checking. And uh, he's black. And uh, um, uh, he, he's a cop in San Francisco. For real? Yeah, I'm dead serious. uh, Yeah, San Francisco Police Department. And it's interesting because my white cousin's uh, who also live in San Francisco, uh, they don't like police at all. And, <laughs> and all right, there's a reason. <laughs> but uh, but the, uh, uh, it's because they also grew, they grew up in, you know, uh, not, you know, they were like mi- middle, lower class or low, upper, lower class or whatever the flip, you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not, not, 
I can't eat every day, but also like, you know, not, not wealthy. Yeah. Uh, struggling. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the thing is like, we have these like weird kind of tense conversations because the police are so, uh, they're, they're so willing to protect themselves and their brothers, right? Mm-hmm. The blue, like, yeah, yeah, the fraternity of police. The fraternity of police, the, you know, brothers in blue. And um, the way that they, com- the way that they command authority is through sheer force. Now, I don't know if this is always the way. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's really necessary. I don't actually know. I will just say that I'm not a police officer, so I can't actually speak to like, no, if we didn't have, if we didn't work this way, this is what, I- but regardless of that, the amount of times that I've I've encountered police, I literally, I'm not even saying this to, bra- I'm not saying this to brag, I'm not saying this to like exempt myself of anything, but like I don't do anything illegal, like mo- mostly, you know what I mean? Like, I'm right there with like, you. Like I don't do drugs. Nope. <laughs> uh, I've never, I've never done any drug. Mm-hmm. I don't. I when uh-huh. I was when how I was, many Netflix passwords you got though? Well, yeah, yeah. Ooh, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Enough. How many I'm, HBO Go passwords? <laughs> you want to do this yeah. nationally, I'm James? Just saying, mm. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like I don't like. I hate. I hate people who litter. Like all this stuff. Like I don't <laughs> jump. I don't jump the turnstile. People who litter. Like I'm just saying. Like I like for for what it's worth. Yeah. I am a quote unquote model citizen, and multiple times. I have confronted police with an with an aggression that you would think they knew for a fact that I have a litany of criminal of a, a, like this huge criminal record where mm-hmm. I've been stealing and jumping folk and mm-hmm. beating people up and th- that is how they appro- it's like it's it's just like what are you doing give me your ID who who are you sit down and it's just like what is happening why are why are you coming at me as if I'm fighting you before some, you know what I mean? Like the, the thing is they, people always say, Oh, the cops escalate. Sorry. No, this is what I'm saying. What they say is like, Oh, it's a, they have to make a quick second decision. Like, you know, this is what happens. Like, yeah, mistakes happen sometimes because everything is so quick. Everything's so fast and like it's life or death. So blah, blah, blah. They have to protect themselves. And I'm like, the reason that it gets to this frantic place isn't, is almost never because of the person that they're trying to arrest mm-hmm. it's because of them they come with dozens a dozen officers yeah you know it's just like i mean like the eric garner video it's like you see how many people are there the idea of like him resisting arrest first of all even if he if he was resisting arrest there are 12 of you all you have to do is step back and be like bro where are you going you're yeah. not gonna get past all of us yeah just we're going to arrest you now. I'm not even talking about what they're arresting him for, which is a whole other subject. Yeah. But it's just like this whole thing of like, no, the only way that we can control the situation mm-hmm. is by shouting at people, pushing people, shoving them, manhandling them, showing that we are stronger than if if me punching you and throwing you to the ground doesn't work, beating you with a baton or taking out a gun and shooting you. It's crazy. It's, you know, it's like oh my god. Here's the thing. Like, for me, it's like, okay, I don't care. I'm, I'm not going to mess up any blessings here. Listen, I don't <laughs> bang with the police at all. And that's because they, it's because the police have become so much of like a part of my outside life, but there's already a police officer right. in my head. Yeah. And that is what we call respectability politics. Like, mm-hmm. I'm already like, I've never like, I'm not even like sagging my pants. Like, right. I, I mean, when I talk, I've been told, like, shout out Jordan Temple keeps telling me I'm mad presentational when I talk. And it's because I am. I've always been representative of, 
especially in the communities I grew up with, representative of black people, representative right. of Muslim people. And I've had to be this model citizen. And I'm not, I'm not a person who's out here doing drugs. I'm the same same as uh, Braylock. I mean, it's okay if you litter, but yeah. like, I, I don't want you to, but like. Also, it's okay if you do, it's like, if you do any of these things, you don't deserve to be shot anyway. At but. all. And it, it, it took me a very long time to get to that point where I was just like, to, to, I mean, like people were telling me, I was learning it. I was reading it. It took me a long time to realize like, it does not matter. <laughs> like if you, right. you, I could literally be doing the exact same things as Mother Teresa. I could be doing the same things as like the Pope. I'd be doing all these things, but then immediately because I'm black, there's something wrong with it. And you see it with all these different things. Serena Williams, she's out here winning grand slams. And like, if you go back and look at her, like, come up, people were super racist her to the point where like they had to be like, well, she's African. She had those African thighs out here playing tennis. Like, they have to find a reason why a black person can be a white person at something. And it's like, it's not always going to be oppositional because all these things are not supposed to be like in competition. They're all very relational, but. When it comes to like the police and dealing with like black bodies and stuff like that, they're already conditioned to think that these people are threats. And the way the way they're processing people very aggressively is probably because over their entire existence, that is how they've seen people do it. And that is the quickest way to get results. I'm not gonna argue with someone with a gun. But I'm also like I've been pulled over in the East Village multiple times. And pulled over, I mean, I'm walking and they're walking. I don't have a car to get out of, so I didn't right. steal anything already. They'll stop me and be like, Can I search you? And I know they're not allowed to do this. But I know that me saying where's a warrant is already in their mind, he's got something to hide. Exactly. And then even that's, though it's your actual legal right yeah, yes, to uh, say to ask you them. to ask them and be like, you actually can't just come up and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like they, there was a time where they were doing stop and frisk, yes. and then the ju- and then judges were like, "This is illegal. You're <laughs> this is not stupid. allowed to yeah. do this." There's, it's literally in our constitution. By the way, the constitution <laughs> that the freaking people always praise and they literally glorify like it's the Bible. I mean, and they glorify the Bible too. But I mean, like they glor- they glorify it like, but it's pick and choose. But it's pick and choose. It's pick and choose. That's the thing. It's like you either gotta believe in this book for real, or you gotta like not, or you gotta like actually like let some things like like slide. Yo, like, if you're gonna be all about like the Constitution and the Second Amendment, then you need to give a damn about the Fourth Amendment and care about black people who get illegally searched and seized all the time. And yet, yeah. no, I never see you never see those people at the at, at the, the protest. Black, you don't see them at Black Lives Matter rallies. And that's, you don't see them there. Interesting. And like to bring this back to Fruitvale Station, that moment at the end of the movie where like he gets shot. Uh, one, one special part about that, they found that spot where there's a bullet hole where he was actually shot. Like where the real Oscar Grant was shot and they shot it exactly right there, oh, which wow. is like, that has even more emotional resonance. But like that entire shot, all you see is people asking questions. But one thing that I've had to learn over my entire life, I don't know if you guys can speak to this as well, is that like, no matter how you talk to an authority figure, they're gonna hear it the way that, that if it's any sort of protest, even if I'm literally doing it in a beautiful soprano, you're go, they're gonna think that I'm being incredibly aggressive. You ha- I just want you have an to swallow. You literally you have to swallow your pride mm-hmm. completely, uh-huh. and you have to you have to appear submissive as much as you possible. It honestly, it it's not. It's uh it's literally like oh like a wolf coming over to a smaller dog and the dog having to like lay down and like show its belly <laughs> yeah. to be like I you you rule over me. Yeah. I I I am I I'm sitting here thinking about like what is the difference? I'm I'm dead serious too when I'm saying this. And I know maybe the, maybe this is too maybe some people are <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Honestly. But I'm kind of dead serious when I'm saying this. 
what's the difference between a KKK, a bunch of KKK members coming up on black folk, telling them to do whatever embarrassing thing so that, and then if that black person decides to protest, they go up and lynch him. Yeah. What's the difference between that and a bunch of police taking a dude and being like, unless you do every single thing that I tell you to do, I get to shoot and kill you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, one, of the, one of them is like, if you look, I feel like people forget how recent our racial history of like that dark period of the KKK really ramp, being rampant in the United States is. That was literally like 70 years ago. And by 70 years ago, I mean, that was literally like probably 40 years ago still. And like when I'm looking at, I, you see pictures and it's not, it wasn't just a lynching of like the police or the KKK doing this. This was... The KKK does it, and then people go watch. There are pictures of people who are smiling next to a hanging black man. Right. And that is a crazy image to like to associate with the police. But unfortunately, like again, they may not be the exact same thing, but there is a relational, like, you know, there's a relationship there that we do need to discuss. And when I was watching that scene, I saw a bunch of black men just trying to like just trying to get some answers. But the way that they're talking is not the way that they're listening. We all are looking for words the way that we want to hear them. Cops don't want to hear words, even if, and these people want to hear answers. Right. They don't want the same thing at all. They want, like, they both want answers, but to different questions. And I, I'm not envious for anyone in a law enforcement position because it's not a fun position to be in. Right, yeah. But sure. I am definitely, as a person who does not have a gun and not armed and clearly very innocent in a number of things, like I feel like I have not done anything worthy of being pulled over or being like, you know, you know, shot or even tased in any sort of way. But every time that I am in a situation like those men were at the end of Fruitvale Station, I feel this sinking feeling in my body, like this could be it. And as a comedian, my first thought is like, yo, how am I gonna clown these people when I get on stage? But then my next thought is, if I make it to the stage. And that is how much a police officer's like authority and power is in the minds of black people. And we can talk about police reform, we can talk about prison reform, we can talk about giving them non-lethal weapons, but on top of that, there the, the, the people there are people behind the gun. The gun isn't just shooting us. There's people behind them. And those people have preconceived notions based on whether it be their work, it's on maybe where they were raised, and there's different, you know, racial or biases. The media. Or the media. There's so many different things that come from that. And I think that um, whenever I, like, watch the end of this movie, like, I feel like we were talking about how you had, like, it fade into the back of your head. Yeah. For me, it was just that dread the entire time. I don't know right. if you saw a video recently. Hannibal Burris got pulled over in Miami or somewhere in Florida, and he was clowning was a police officer yeah. to, like, a body cam. And I knew he survived because he's still out here tweeting. But right. I thought it could have been it. And that is right. the reality of being a black person walking around the streets. We talk about, like, you never know how it is to be safe in a lot of different ways. Uh, for a lot of different groups of people, but like being a black, like people will tell me, like you'll never understand. I was like, nah, dog. Like, I could be out here doing nothing. Those police officers stopped me. They found almonds in my bag. Then they asked me why you got almonds. I was like, what? <laughs> like, I have almonds. Like, I'm eating almonds. Like, I was like, what? What why is it illegal almonds? to have Whole Foods oh my almonds? God. Uh, it it's a lot, and then that sits in the back of my mind, and that's a, like a stress that accrues over your entire life. And like we're talking about, like not just black men, but black women have to deal with this too. And on top of that, that leads to lots of different health death yes, deficits and stuff women, like that. Definitely. There's so yeah. many yeah. different implications that just like the simple police interaction and just like the concept of how police will interact with you for being black 
put stress on the black body. Yeah. And when I was watching that scene, I was sitting there being like, I wish this wasn't a story that I've personally felt like I've been a part of or a story that I know someone's been a part of or even though I know what's going to happen, I wish I didn't know this was my tale as old as time moment. Like, yeah. And that was the hardest part about watching this. Like the dog part, beautiful. The mom part, beautiful. I think the this part in the moment is like where I sat there and I felt the chills. I think we all did, whether you were black or white, you felt them. But when you're black, it was more of a familiar chill than it was for like a white person. Right. James, you want to chime in? Yeah. Um, here's what I have to say. Uh, and And at this point, I'm very angry. <laughs> and I'm very um frustrated mm-hmm. and uh uh and i and I think what I have to say and what I want to say to the people out there that are listening is um is that uh if you have not seen this movie, give this movie a shot mm-hmm. give it a give it a go, give it a watch on all sides, whatever it is that you believe. I wonder if this voice is even reaching the people that have contrary beliefs. Um, uh, And think about it from this point of view of just, you are a person, we are all people, and see how you feel on the other end. That's it. That's deep. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, hey, man, look, I I watch cop movies. Yeah, I get it. I I know being being a police officer is tough. Like we're not here to crap on police, uh, and I'm not here to crap on laws. I'm I think I'm not here to crap on laws either. Like I, you, I, you, there is an importance for government and laws. Like obviously, none of us want to live in an, an, an like an anarchy system. Like doesn't make any sense. But yeah. the reality is, like James pointed out. Yeah, you do have to go back to slavery, (laughs) the start of it, and then go ahead, do your research, look at all the laws that happened from the literally before America started in the 1600s and on the colonies, leading up to all the different states and their laws, and then the laws that were enacted by the United States federal government, and then leading all the way up until emancipation and then after emancipation, look at all the things that happened both on a federal level legal level and then obviously on the local state I and mean the state and the local level and and not just federal but like <laughs> just the segregation the terror of the kkk jim crow jim crow like all of the all of these things and then then come to me and talk about how black people just need to act better and that's why they're getting there if they would just respect police officers then they wouldn't have these problems because we carry this history with us and on top of that like it sucks educationally too like you can't just look at the laws look at the education in the system we're seeing studies yes. now that kids aren't even learning about slavery they're treating slavery like like we just got let out of an uber pool somewhere random we decided to stay for a while and then we didn't like it that's not how it went down and like that is the worst part about it. it's like you're not being educated in that way. And people, if you want to learn about these things, especially if you're not experiencing these, yeah. you have to go the extra mile. And unfortunately, our culture is not built on the, you, you having the time to go the extra mile because you may have to get, like have a job. You may have to do these things. But imagine having to do those same things that you may have to do, but also knowing that you're being misrepresented by your media. You're being misjudged by your police force. Mm-hmm. You're being uh, misjudged by the law. 
you know, in, until 2014, you could own slaves in Mississippi. That shit got like taken down in 2014. That is so recently. And like we go back, you look at like Rodney King, that's the 90s. Yeah. You go further back, you're going back looking at the KKK and stuff like that. That is, that is the 50s. That is your parents and grandparents like heyday when they were alive. You go further back, you're going all the way to like the World War II and World War I where like people were still segregated in fighting for this country. They had to fight separately for a union. That doesn't make any sense. We should be working together. That, then bring that all the way up to the present and see that where racial tension is now. You have to think about all that sort of stuff. And I know it's hard, but like imagine seeing people of color at work, at Starbucks, out on the street, on the subway, in your car, maybe carpooling with you. They carry that racial history with them. We have to do that. Yeah. It's and, funny. I, I don't know. It, <laughs> did you guys think? Did you guys have this thought growing? I know we're going long. I'm sorry, but yeah. like, just real quick. I just <laughs> did. You have this thought? We're growing up when you just where you actually thought to yourself, oh, like maybe black people are like inherently dumber and more violent and lesser. I won't lie. Absolutely. Mostly because you did right. I've had that thought, and then. I, that is the constant battle because like everything <laughs> you're shown and told, especially when you're younger, is that black people act a certain way. Did you black ever have that thought, James? So, so I never had the thought. Uh, I never had that clear thought. Right. You know, it was it was never like it never. I never thought like, oh, maybe black people are lesser. But I mean, but I you know I think on this podcast and in and then all of this sort of examining that we've been doing over the last few years. Uh, uh, I, I, I do, I did have a thought. I, I don't know that I've said, if I've said this on the podcast yet, so forgive me if you guys have heard it, but I have had the thought that like, Oh, I, I hate black people. I, I, I hate black people. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've had that. I've had that thought saying, before yeah. mm-hmm. and it, and, uh, uh, and it was connected to like something very dumb, uh, uh, and I and I said it out loud when I said it, and it was a we- very weird, strange uh, uh, experience for me, and and um, you know, and I think it has to do with all of this. I think it has to do with you know, sort of the way that uh, we've been presented, not just uh, in the media, but you know. You know, it's a, it it goes down to other and and in and the way that the law reacts to us, but then it also trickles down to you know the way teachers interact with uh, certain teachers interact with certain students, and you know, and you know, I've had the oh, let me cross the street when I've seen a mm. black person feeling, yeah. and I've had the you know, and I've had the like. Um, uh, I've and I definitely you know everything that we've been saying so far that feeling of like feeling like I'm doing something wrong just living you know I can't be locked out of my apartment uh, too late without being afraid that I'm gonna die trying to get inside of my <laughs> house yeah. um, uh, you know and and it's just like it has to stop you know what I'm saying <laughs> you know what I'm saying like it's exhausting and yeah and, um should we uh. <laughs> we should talk to Hollywood real quick. This is a segment yeah. Gerard does, but uh, but maybe we can all do it. And I'll start. I'll start us off. All right, here we okay. go. Okay. <clears throat> uh, dear Hollywood, we know you like showing 
black oppression on screen. Oh yeah, let's be real. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it, it helps you feel good about yourself, because uh, you you feel sympathetic to all the black bodies that are being tortured and persecuted. Hashtag woke. And you think to yourself, I, I did a good thing by giving money to this. Let's make Twelve Years a Slave the best picture. Where's the sequel? Where's Thirteen Years a Slave? Now, here's the thing. My problem is that was in the past. I mean, we get it. Hidden Figures was really delightful. Thanks for that. And yeah, some of you even lived through that time. But still, that was kind of in the past. Mm. Yeah. And yet, when we talk about the struggles that are happening today, yep. all of a sudden, uh-oh, film becomes a little too hot. It's quiet. Now this stuff isn't getting any wars, getting any recognition. You got your sunglasses on like you're Ray Charles. You can't see it. <laughs> this needs to stop because this stuff is happening today. Left and right. So if you want to continue to talk about the oppression of black folk, you need to stop separating yourself from the conversation. Yep. You need to realize mm-hmm. that it is intertwined, that this racism is systemic. It's ingrained. It's institutionalized. Yep. And it's happening today. Preach, Brother Braylon. It might even be happening with you. You got to check your racial bias. You got to. You got to check your unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. You got to realize right. check it. that all of the images and all of the history that you were taught was told through a white lens. Yep. Okay. And yes, I know it's hard because you're like, well, uh, what? Am I supposed to hate myself? No, man. You, you don't know, hate yourself. No one needs to hate themselves. You don't need to hate yourself. Maybe you a don't. <laughs> but 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 I've spent a good deal of time hating myself. So you know, it wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it if you hated yourself for just a little bit. Just a little. You just bit. hated yourself for just a little bit. I wouldn't hate that. Just just for like five seconds. Make yourself the villain of the movie. But and then life. another thing that I want to say to Hollywood, just to continue to build off of what has been established thus far, okay? I know I mentioned it earlier that like a nice little accolade that Ryan Coogler got after directing his Fruitvale Station and after directing that Creed mm-hmm. and after co-writing the film, you know what I'm saying? He, he, he elevated to a Black Panther. But you know what? Stop patting yourself on the goddamn back because this shit happens to white people all the goddamn time. Tell them. And I'm saying there's been many of black directors, young black directors with the chops, with the skills, with the promise of a, of a, uh, what's the name? Of a, of a Colin Trevorrow. Oh, man. And y'all know I love Jurassic World. Y'all know I enjoyed that movie. Oh, no, but I'm saying it's been a lot of <laughs> it's been a lot of black people with the promise. But did they get the did they get the reward? Hell no. So stop patting yourself on the back for Black Panther. Cause y'all ain't got shit to do with it. All right, all right. I like that. That's beautiful. All right. Well, uh that's all done. So uh <laughs> Well, this letter is going on in the mail. I think it's uh oh but by the way you guys while <clears throat> i was watching this movie mm-hmm. yeah um yeah so like while i was watching i was like this is like so good you know it really was and yeah. then and then i realized like halfway through i was like wait a minute ryan coogler is the co-writer and director of black panther that's right mm-hmm. right and then i was like i was looking because i was like i think there are like probably going to be some subtle call forwards to black panther in Fruitvale Station. 
So I was like looking and I was like watching. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I didn't find I didn't find anything. Okay. Was <laughs> Yo, you really you really took me on a journey. <laughs> That's I like going wrapped, all the way to Mordor and not story. dropping the ring in, dog. That was that was hot. <laughs> <laughs> no, this story. I mean, this uh, this is actually just completely about Oscar Grant in the last right. days of his life. Yeah. I was like, I couldn't believe it because I was like. I was like, this is a superhero writer. Like, he writes those movies. I was like, and I couldn't wait for it. I was yep. like, this is about to happen. Nope, yeah. And then it didn't. And then no, it, it didn't. I ended up just enjoying myself watching That's right. this other movie. Yeah, yeah I was just oh, imagining okay. James sitting in the theater waiting for, like, you know, Nick Fury to come in the post credits. <laughs> be like, Because hey, that's to- what I thought was going to happen. I thought Nick Fury was, like, going to be on the subway or something. Or something. He wasn't. <laughs> Yo, just like like when they started dancing and stuff, I was like, this is when Nick Fury comes in. Yeah. You know? You know, Samuel Jackson loves dancing. But. All right. Well, it's time for the cause. <laughs> we rate and review films not based on how much we enjoyed them or if they were made critically well. We rate them on the cause of more leading black actors in Hollywood. Did this help the cause? More leading black actors in Hollywood. If we believe it fully helped the cause, we give it a black fist. If we believe it somewhat helped the cause, we give it a white palm. If we think, yo, man, this ain't helped the cause at all, doesn't get nothing. Okay, on the count of three, we're going to raise up what our ratings are mm-hmm. and then tell it to you at home. You guys ready? Let's go. Yep. One, one, two, three. I wish I had more black fists. We got, we got four black fists here in yeah. New York. Okay, got? and there are 16 black fists happening here. <laughs> Yo, that's <laughs> crazy. Just, that? just, you know what I'm saying? It's a Black Panther miracle. I don't miracle. know how I did it. It was crazy. I just thought it 16? inside. And then I looked up and I was like, damn, it's 16 black fists. Yo, where in like, LA are you? Right. I, I don't Yo. know how it happened. I really don't. Okay. I, really, really I didn't know don't. there were right. seven other black I think people we, on this podcast. That's concerning, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> they were right. silent yeah. the whole time. Yeah, all black fists. Sit. <laughs> All black fists, yeah. of course. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll start. I gave it a black fist. I mean, first of all, Ryan Coogler, what an amazing director. <laughs> the fact that we get Black Panther, I mean, it's just going to be, oh, it's going to be lit. It's awesome. Michael B. Jordan, this jumpstart, his movie career. He's been amazing ever since. Um, this gave us uh, Octavia Spencer in uh, a more rare role that she uh uh, a, a, a more unique role that she usually gets and also an incredible performance. Yeah, it wasn't nominated for stuff, but the legacy of this film moves on and it's on and it's in Netflix. So please check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Black Fist. Oh yeah, my Black Fists, plural, uh, were for, um, I mean, again, Ryan Coogler, beautiful director and, act, uh, director and writer and then you have Michael B. Jordan, Octavia Spencer. But on top of this, uh, I think that it portrayed the struggle of like a black man trying to get on the right track after, you know, being locked up for either the wrong reasons or what the reasons were. He's trying to get back on the right track. And uh, I think it struck a chord enough with the black community where people came together to help finance it. And I think that more of that will be happening in the future to get more movies like this. And then on top of that, I got to give a shout out to Ryan Coogler for he, nothing but dope movies since Fruitvale Station. And on top of that, he always has Michael B. Jordan in them. And he always has, sure. I want to shout out uh, one white person, uh, Ludwig Goranson, who is the composer 
for both oh. uh, Fruitvale and in Creed. Oh, it's so good. But he the also score is, for this was and, so good. Oh, such a good score. If you pay very close attention, he uses the rumbles from like the subway I, in I, it. And I was reading that. That's amazing. Beautiful. And uh, he also works with Gambino, so I think there is a secret black Illuminati. And if you need, oh. if you have applications, like uh, I got resumes, I got, um, I got uh, references. So <laughs> give me up. <laughs> Uh, James? Yeah, the composing in both of those movies actually is really, really good. And that's something that we didn't quite talk about that much uh, for this, but that was something that definitely stood out to me, um, too. Did a great job of sort of setting the tone of all of those scenes. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to cut, did I cut you off, Mom? Do you? Oh, no, no, no. Please. Um, yeah, I mean, I gave it 16 Black Fists because, like. Um, <laughs> oh, so they were all your just... Black Fists. <laughs> <laughs> They're all mine. They're oh, all okay, my okay. Cool, cool, cool. Black fist. Um, uh, eight, uh, no, actually seven on one side and then nine on the other. Oh. I don't know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> because for everything that everybody has said so far, um, uh, it's just re- it's really, really a fantastic, uh, fantastic movie. And I would say like, uh, uh, and just to go back off to everything that we've said so far, like just like the fact that they show it's a, it's a human being. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not a black man. It's not. You know. We sh- they show us a human being living, and it's just. It's. It's. They do it in. Su- he does it in such a, a, a wonderful, nuanced um, way, uh, and you know, I just. I. I can't wait to see what else comes from this in the future yep. for this um, for this director and writer. Well, we know one movie that's going to come from it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Mamadou, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having thank me. Thank you for coming. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug or share? Uh, yeah, this year's, uh, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but I have a lot of like cool projects, little ones coming out. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm working on them. I've been working on it for about two years, but finally made some headway and I'll be working on my movie about police brutality, um, a bit of a narrative script too, uh, by working on three little bits that I'm going to be pitching, using in my pitch process for my mm-hmm. feature uh, to kind of just get the vision of the film. And the movie I've been working on is called The Hashtag. Uh, and it's about the fear of becoming a hashtag, just the trending topic for a day and then disappearing. Uh, I know that's meant something different in the last few months, but uh, sure. I've been... Uh, I had to do a little bit of rewriting and I'm, I feel like I'm finally getting through the right gates yeah. to finally make it. So hopefully I'll be able to share bits and pieces of that with people over the year. And if you want to know what, what's going down, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. So where, where can they fi- how What's your handle? Uh, my Instagram handle is uh, Mamadou about nothing. M-A-M-O-U-D-O-U about nothing. Oh my God. I just realized that that Shakespeare oh. thing. Shakespeare put the whole movie in the trailer. That's crazy. And <laughs> we just let him do that. We let it rock. And then on Twitter, um, uh, just my first name, last name, Mamadou and Jai, M-A-M-O-U-D-O-U-N-D-I-A-Y-E. Boom. Uh, James, you got anything to plug? Yes, you can follow me at James Third Comedy, jamesthirdcomedy.com. Third is 3RD. Great. You can follow me at John Braylock, J-O-N-B-R-A-Y-L-O-C-K, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Black Men Podcast. Uh, also on Twins, Twitter and Instagram, blackmenpodcast.com is our website. And lastly, if you review us on iTunes, give us five stars. We will read your review on the air, which I'm about to do. Um, 
This one comes from TPR fan. Title is Day One Fan. Hey guys, sorry, this is kind of long, but I've been listening to the podcast since I first heard a clip of it on If I Were You. That's awesome. Thank you, Jake and Amir. And it absolutely is my favorite to listen to now. Every time I listen, I feel like I'm in a room with friends. <laughs> Oftentimes, I'll even say a one liner, such as Mary J. Did someone say crispy chicken? <laughs> at the same time as one of you guys. I love the podcast, and it has really made me think of movies in a different way. It's also been fun to see the evolution of all of your ways of thinking about them, too. As a black woman from MD, I won't say DMV, since I know how y'all DC folk get. She's talking about you, Jabra, (laughs) whose family in the South. I really relate to many of Jarrah's views and experiences. I love the happy silliness that James the Third brings to the show, and I like how John keeps things on track despite his horrible segue. Hey! <laughs> Ooh, damn. Hey! Yo, that's... Yeah, that's cool. Why they have to throw in a diss after, after <laughs> complimenting you? Man. That was beautiful. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> uh, thanks for the podcast. I really do hope that it someday becomes a movie review show on TV. Oh. Erica and GA. Oh, thank you, beautiful. Erica. And then I'll read one more. This is by Devin Johnson. Title is Dope. <laughs> this podcast is amazing. I love how every single movie is thought out and discussed. I feel like I am interacting with you guys every time I listen. Sometimes I disagree with some of you, but 90% of the time I'm right there with y'all. That's cool. I like that. Can you guys please review Bright with Will Smith? Okay, this is old because we did that. And discuss the racial themed movie and how they made the orcs black people, the elves white people. Cops are cops and how they are pretty much discussing what's going on now in the world. And then he gave us five black fists. Ooh, pretty good. Ooh, five. So he has the same abilities I do. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Next week, we will, of course, be reviewing Black Panther. Oh, I'm so hyped. You're going to catch me looking real fresh at the premiere. Can't wait. I can't wait. Um, I mean. It's going to be dope. What oh, else can we wait. say? I honestly, like, I I wake up in the middle of the night, and then I, I'm, like, sad for a second that I remember Black Panther's coming yeah. out, and I go to sleep. Tell all of your... Go out and see it. Tell all of your friends. Next week, Tuesday, we dropping it. If you can't wait, it's com- it comes out on midnight. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we can't wait, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.